Hey, everybody, John Odermatt coming at you real quick before we get started with today's show. Just wanted to let you guys know of an incredible offer to join the Lions of Liberty Pride. Right now, honestly, is the best time to join the Pride before the end of the year. We have a couple amazing offers. If you join by going to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty, join for $10 per month. You're going to get our, in addition to everything else you get, all the merchandise, all the bonus content, the Facebook group, all that stuff. You're going to get our Taxation is Death holiday mug. If you join for $15 per month, you're going to get the mug. And we have a winter beanie holiday Lines of Liberty hat that you're going to get. And also on top of that, guys, we're doing a raffle across the entire Lions of Liberty Pride. Everybody in the Pride is entered in. The more that you uh, contribute per month, the more raffle tickets you get. And the winner of that raffle, which is going to be drawn, I think, on Christmas Day. And this, this Pride special runs up until midnight on Christmas Eve to join the Pride. So the raffle's Christmas Day, and the winner gets a mug, a hoodie, a hat, and also a giant bag of our Morning Roar coffee. Guys, you can't beat it. Join the Lions of Liberty Pride. We need your support. We want your support. Go to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday, a weekly show right here on the OG Libertarian Variety Podcast, the Lions of Liberty Podcast, where we bring you three unique shows every single week. Kick off every week on our with our Monday show, our flagship program hosted by Mark Clare, where Mark brings you interviews with leaders in the liberty movement. Every Wednesday, we have Electric Liberty Land hosted by Brian McWilliams. He brings you your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty. And every Friday on Felony Friday, I take a look at the broken criminal justice system. Today on Felony Friday, have an awesome show. I'm going to be talking with a former cop from Denmark, Lars Anderson, who is now into activism and did some really, really unique things and some really uh, noteworthy headline-grabbing things while he was still a police officer. I'll introduce Lars in just a minute. Before I do that, I want to remind you guys that the show notes page can be found at lionsofliberty.com slash ff207 because it's episode 207 of Felony Friday. And with that being said, let's get rolling into today's interview. My guest today on Felony Friday is Lars Anderson. Lars is a former Danish police officer. He made headlines in his home city of Copenhagen when he refused to enforce drug laws leading to his departure from the police force. Lars, welcome to Felony Friday. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for for coming on the show. And uh, I first heard of you. Uh, when you were a guest on uh, Free Man Beyond the Wall with our uh, our friend here, Pete Quinones. And uh, that interview really piqued my interest in uh, in what's going on and the activism uh, you've been doing over there in Denmark. So I want to talk about all that stuff. But first, just to give my audience, you know, uh, 
an idea of what policing is like in Denmark. And I guess before we get to that point, even why you wanted to become a police officer, if you could start there and sort of explain the, you know, what drove you into that career path. Yeah, well, um, I started policing probably because I started uh, soldiering. I was uh, in the Danish army for about three years. And uh, a lot of my colleagues in the army, they gravitated towards the police and um, I did too. So after uh, a brief uh, period of me studying to be a, a naval, uh, a merchant uh, officer in the naval, um, in the merchant marines, I uh, I started in uh, the police academy in, uh, in Copenhagen just because I, I got bored doing uh, civilian stuff. So... When the government they have uh, have a monopoly on quote unquote uh, exciting stuff that uh, blowing shit up and uh, and doing <laughs> stuff like that driving uh, with sirens and, and stuff, then uh, some people they just gravitate towards that and I did too. So what made you want to before that? What made you want to go into the military? Mm, not a sense of patriotism. Patriotism, I think, uh, more a sense of um, adventure. Um, I think that was my main uh, main driver, just um, doing something different and testing myself and uh, doing mm-hmm. stuff that I wasn't uh, used to and couldn't do in civilian life. So I think that was my main motivation for both uh, policing and uh, and uh, soldiering. Okay, so you start policing, and, and how many years total did you did you serve as a police officer? Uh, about four years from starting at the police academy until I uh, took my resignation. Um, so not not a long time. I just uh, barely um, graduated. Um, no, I, I did graduate with okay grades, but I just got out of uh, police academy um, and. I was on the streets for a couple of months before I just realized that I was a libertarian, uh, really. So I didn't uh, serve as a police officer for very long. Um, when you serve as a police academy student, you are working in the streets. So I had uh, a couple of years of street work uh, in my time as a police uh, academy student. So was this working like in the U.S., you have your you know your local police officers who work for you know, local towns and, you know, communities. Then you have your state police officers and then federal police officers. So which capacity were, were you working in, in Denmark? In, Den- in Denmark, we only have state police. Uh, police okay. is only one uh, one unit. We don't have a, f- a federal and a state level and a local level. We only have one level of poli- policing, and that's the state police. So uh, that's where I was. And I was just a, a lowly street cop, really. So... Uh, a badge and a gun and a car and uh, driving to drunken disorderlies and uh, mm-hmm. thefts and robberies and things like that. Nothing major, nothing, uh, uh, nothing too exciting. So, so you said that you uh, you know started to after working for just a few months, you started to realize that you were a libertarian. I mean, was this something that was just sort of naturally in you that you started to? To, to realize that maybe some of the things you were doing were going against your, your ethics or was it something you read or saw? Or? Well, not at first. I worked as a street cop for a couple of years um, during police academy training and I didn't uh, give philosophy or politics uh, any, any thought at all. 
So I did all the things that uh, are expected of you with uh, drug busts and uh, frisking people for uh, cannabis and uh, whatnot. So it was only when I graduated police academy and I started reading a little bit about, well, liberty, classical liberalism in, in the European sense, that I started thinking that uh, some of the things I did really didn't help anyone. So um, that got the, the ball rolling and uh, it was unstoppable from from there really because i i tend to want to follow my principles like to their logical conclusion and uh, when you do that you can't really be a cop at least not if you if your principles are uh well liberty and uh, <laughs> and uh, the non-aggression principle right well it's, it's funny you say that and i 100 percent agree with that statement but you know i've gotten in uh facebook debates or you know different uh, discussions on social media and the person who is opposing my view that you know, I'll be critical of police officers often. And they'll say, well, what, what, why don't you just sign up and become a police officer and change the system? I'm like, well, that's, that's really not how it works. Um, it's, <laughs> the system isn't changed by the, uh, you know, by being, by participating in, in the system. That's uh, sort of re- reinforcing what they're doing. Yeah. And uh, people, they are still making that argument, um, that I should uh, join politics because now I'm pretty involved in activism and, and mm-hmm. stuff. And they say, "Ah, oh, well, why don't you, uh, why don't you get elected into parliament? And I just, Oh no, I don't want to be a part of that gang. Uh, but yeah. people, they really want me to participate in all kinds of stuff. So yeah, it's the same argument just uh, on another level. Right. Right. So uh, am I right in that, you know, those, those first months where you're serving as a cop, you finish your police academy, that you were already blogging um, and writing and putting some, some stuff out there on the internet, some anti-policing uh, things? Uh, not very anti-policing per se. I was um, in Denmark. We have a state television. We have a big uh, state uh, de facto monopoly on, uh, on media. Um, so I started as a police officer opposing this uh, state monopoly and I didn't want to mm. pay the TV license. And I was, I was very, um, very uh, loud about that fact that I didn't want to pay. And it was a story in the Danish media because this police uh, officer um, wouldn't pay the state uh, fee for, for TV licensing. How and, much and- is the, the fee for TV licensing? Oh, uh, it's about, uh, it was what, a couple of hundred dollars a year, I think. And that's yeah. just, that's every citizen has to pay that? Or how does that work? Every um, household has to pay that. Um, and if you're married to somebody and there's, there are two in the same household, you don't have to pay two licenses. But if you are living together, two friends, you have mm. to pay two licenses. So it's a little odd like that, but mm. it's a pretty high fee. Um, for for the state run uh, television, and also all that money goes to um, their production of their state propaganda, pretty much. Yeah, news and uh, and also entertainment. Um, it, it's a part of uh, the government job in Denmark to provide entertainment, uh, TV entertainment for uh, the people of Denmark, and uh, all kinds of of, of things. And uh, yeah, um, they're. Their news coverage is not surprisingly very, very um, collectively minded, like pro welfare state, mm-hmm. uh, pro all kinds of government programs, really. 
Not to go too far off topic, but I'm, I'm too curious. So how how is this viewed generally in Denmark? Do people enjoy the the state run entertainment and and all that stuff? Uh, some do. It's like there's a divide in people, and uh, some more conservative leaning people they know that uh, the state run TV has a slant towards collectivism and uh, socialism and uh, uh, those kind of things. But yeah, it's 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 not uncommon that people they don't like the state run television, and it's uh, definitely not uh, uncommon that they hate the television television licensing because mm-hmm. people they come to visit you if you don't pay and uh, p- uh, peek into your windows and see if you have a television wow. hanging on your wall and, and stuff like that it's a it's a little 1984ish um, and now it's it's being it's being uh, put on uh, on the regular tax so uh, the TV licensing is disappearing but uh, but the government television is not it's just um, it's just put on the regular income tax. Oh, so they're just hiding it a little bit, a little bit better. They are, and and I'm really against that because mm-hmm. uh, the other TV licensing thing, you could get rid of that. You could just um, say you don't own an internet connection or a television or whatever, and you could get out of that. And when it's on the income tax, it's really pretty hard for most people to get out of. So uh, yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I, you know, I'm sure a lot of my uh, my U.S. listeners are are surprised by this. At least, at least I am. I, I didn't know, I didn't know this, uh, these facts about uh, Danish culture. Yeah. But, I guess uh, you're pretty appalled about, uh, the, the, uh, the construction of a TV licensing scheme. Really. It's, it's just very un-American in, uh, mm-hmm. in most people's views, I guess. Yeah. I know they do something. Maybe it's, is this common throughout Europe? Cause I know they, they do something similar in Ireland where you pay a tax per TV you have. It is really common in Europe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Unfortunately. I'm glad we don't have that here yet, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Just give um, it a 10 years time. Then, uh... Right, right. You also became vocal about not wanting to enforce the drug laws while you were a cop, right? This was still, you were still were serving as a police officer? Yes, I started blogging a little bit and uh, my first blog post, I just, I didn't flat out refuse to enforce drug laws. I just wrote that I thought it was a very bad idea and very counterproductive if you wanted people to be healthy and free and uh, and you didn't want the uh, gang violence and gang uh, crime. Um, so that was my first blog po- post and um, that got a, a lot of traction really. And then I made my second blog post when I flat out refused to, uh, to enforce uh, the drug laws uh, in the country. And uh, that got me into a lot of exciting times, um, you can say. And uh, yeah, I got an interview with both uh, television, um, not state-run television, but the other other television uh, station in Denmark. And I also got an interview with my boss at the police station, uh, wanting to hear what that was about. And uh, yeah, it it ended up with me not being in the, the Danish police force anymore. So you officially resigned. Was it something where you were pretty much forced to... Well, yeah, more or less. I knew where it was going. So it was just to, I could, might as well resign by my own uh, decision because I knew that sooner or later I was going to be fired. So uh, I didn't mm-hmm. want to go through that. So I just resigned. Um, uh, so yeah, I knew I was ending up there anyways. 
What sort of reaction did you get at the time from fellow police officers, others in law enforcement? Uh, different reactions. Um, some of them, they could see my points and some of them, they really just thought I was crazy. I can remember um, speaking to one of my colleagues in the car about uh, drug prohibition and uh, we just started fighting basically. And then he just ended the conversation saying to me that he didn't want to listen to my uh, liberty bullshit anymore. So uh, that was that. So um, yeah, there's some truth in uh, when your paycheck um, demands you to believe in something or not to believe in something, then uh, your mind is made up because, uh, yeah, if it has consequences for your life, believing something, you probably lean towards not having those consequences. So what are the the penalties or the, you know, the sentencing laws for, for the drug law in Denmark? Are, are they... Uh, you know, things have eased a little bit in the U.S. recently, specifically around, around marijuana. You know, medical marijuana has become legalized in most states in the United States, recreational in a few. At the state level, of course, we still have our ridiculous uh, federal law. But uh, what's the what are the laws over there in Denmark? Uh, there are pretty no uh, zero tolerance. Um, there's no uh, real medicinal uh, marijuana uh, legalization and the. Uh, and yeah, there's a zero tolerance politics towards um, possessing and uh, selling and dealing and, and everything. So small amounts, it's fines. And when you move up uh, the amounts, uh, you can end up like 10, 12 years, years in, uh, in prison. So I'm, I'm assuming people are, there's still a demand probably. People probably still want to smoke marijuana. So oh, is yes. there... <laughs> So what's the what's the black market situation like? Is there is there violence associated with it? Is are there gangs? Are there you know what's what's the situation there? There are lots of violence actually. There are uh, gangs, uh, particularly um, immigrant gangs, are really the ones supplying the market with uh, with illegal drugs. And uh, in Denmark, we have that um, area in Copenhagen that's called Christiania. And that's an area where police really can't enforce drug laws because it is so organized that they are selling it in the streets, like uh, totally obviously. Um, and they try to raid it several times a week, but they always just pop up again. And it's a really good um, example of um, agorism, agorism um, because uh, police, they can't really um, keep, keep it down they can't stop it um, even though they really try so it's only like two or three miles from uh, from parliament and they're selling uh, weed legal uh, le they're selling weed uh, totally obviously in the streets so um, we have that in denmark and many people they think uh, that it's legal in denmark because it's sold there um, totally without trying to hide it but it isn't they're just very good at uh, withstanding the the police. So it has it reached the point that they obviously the people in that area are, are accepting accepting of uh, you know they're not opposed to selling marijuana. But what what about the the penalties? Obviously, they're still arresting some people, so they're just are, are they looking at it from a from a view that they're doing something you know ethically, or maybe some of them have a, a libertarian or a, you know an, an agorist background based in some sort of principle, or is it just we don't care, you know we're just going to do what we want? 
I think it's mostly the latter, actually. I spoke to a guy um, who who uh, has been to prison and he spoke with drug dealers and they uh, he said they sounded like they knew they did something wrong. So, yeah, I was caught and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I don't think there is a, a great deal of principal uh, thinking going on there. They just do it because they can make money off it, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's well. That's that's why that's why a lot of people do it. Yeah. That's why there's a, that's why the market will will never go away, no matter how much the government tries to uh, prohibit it. Exactly. So you know, speaking about doing things, obviously going in uh, in opposition to laws. You did something where you were selling joints on the <laughs> Danish Attorney General's was it his Facebook page or yeah, his open Facebook page. Well, when I quit being a cop, I just thought, okay, I have to do something about this. My newfound principle, I really have to be true against it. So I just thought about it and how can I make a difference? And I uh, came to the conclusion that I could make uh, political activism. So I got a hold of uh, 20 joints, I think, um, and um, I started selling them, um, yeah, as you said, on the Attorney General's uh, Facebook page. And that made, made huge waves because this former cop started to do uh, crazy things. And it was um, something the news uh, outlets really wanted to cover. Um, so in that regard, I, it was a great success. And um, the police, in, in the beginning, they didn't really want to do anything about it because they, I don't know, they just thought it was too crazy or something. But uh, I, I started being really adamant about um, reporting myself. Just uh, why are you not doing anything? What I'm doing is illegal, so you mm-hmm. gotta do something about it. And they finally did, and they uh, they came to my house. I wasn't home, and I had actually moved, so it was the next tenant that had the pleasure of meeting the police. Uh, so uh, yeah, it 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 was uh, a good example of of political activism, I guess, because with my um, pretty uh, limited resources, I could make a lot of, uh, I could get a lot of attention um, pointing out that the, the laws of, uh, of the country is, are, are wrong. So they, they didn't charge you with any crimes? Oh, they did, um, but it was just minor stuff. It was, mm-hmm. um, I got a fine or something. It's uh, It was not a major thing. And uh, I guess the police they they could see or they uh, they regarded me as just a a minor nuisance. Just they knew that I wasn't dealing uh, drugs in a big scale, so they didn't probably give me a lot of attention. See, that's that's interesting because you know maybe I'm wrong, but I I think if somebody tried something similar in the U.S., they would they would do the opposite. They would they would realize that you were gaining attention from it and influence, and they would probably try to make an example out of you and charge you with all kinds of you know drug laws and violations for selling drugs across state lines and, and all those kinds of different yeah. things. But uh, I think that the, the U.S. drug enforcement is a bit more draconian than Danish drug enforcement is mm-hmm. really. That's uh, at least what I hear and what I see. So you've gone from being a cop to really, would you consider yourself now a full-time activist or, you know? Yeah, I, I am. Um, this year I just, um, I started my YouTube channel and started making videos about all kinds of political political um, subjects, um, principles, voluntarism, um, political commentary. 
And now I'm pretty much a full-time activist. Um, and it's going pretty well being just a full-time um, political activist and I get donations and I can more or less live off of it. So yeah, and I've been doing it more or less um, in some form or another for 10 years now. It was in 2010, uh, the summer okay. of 2010 that I left the police force. So are, are you approaching this from a, a libertarian background? Is it like, what, what are your, what are your goals and, and, and visions for, for pushing liberty forward in, in Denmark? Is it, are, are you trying to grow a, I know you said you didn't want to get into politics, but uh, are you just trying to grow sort of more activists and, and gain momentum that way? Well, I just think that I'm trying to change people's minds one person at a time. And it's very rewarding for me when people, they come up and or online, they come up to me and say, hey, you just changed my mind. And I'm either a voluntarist or I've been I've become a minarchist or I just become mm -hmm. more critical of power, political power. And that's, I think that's my uh, goal, just changing people's minds and influencing people that way. Uh, because I know that I'm not, we're not going to live in, in Kabistan um, anytime soon. So um, my, my bar is a little lower than that. Um, if I was really um, just into the final goal, I would be depressed all the time. What's been the the temperature of uh, people being receptive for this change in Denmark? Do you think that it's you know it's, it's kind of hard to gauge in the U.S. Sometimes I think that younger people um, are more open to the ideas of liberty, um, and then sometimes sometimes I'll see them you know get on board with uh, our candidate over here, Bernie Sanders, and his you know full on socialism. Uh, hmm. what, what's the uh, what's the temperature in Denmark? People are quite open um, to individual causes like the TV licensing stuff or the legalization of uh, cannabis stuff. Um, many people are on board with that and you can use that as leverage to kind of speak to them from a, a libertarian perspective. Because if you go, just go full on, um, privatize the police, privatize, privatize the courts, Mm -hmm. Many people, they just uh, regard you as a lunatic. So it's pretty important, I think, to just start by introducing um, subjects that will resonate with people. And there are lots of those subjects that can just help them ease uh, into a more libertarian uh, way of thinking, I guess. So that's uh, that's been my, been my strategy uh, all along, just taking up um, just regular things in people's everyday lives just saying hey this is just wrong and this would be better with more liberty and not less and we could solve it this way mm -hmm. instead of uh, the state's way and uh, many people are really receptive to that approach i think so what's an example of some recent activism that you've done i know that you've done some activism around uh, a lot of people don't know this i didn't know this there really is no i mean there's no first amendment type uh, type law in Denmark. There's no freedom of speech. So I know you've done some things to, uh, to sort of raise a, raise awareness with shock yeah. value there. Yeah, I've, um, we have no First Amendment. That's uh, correct. So we, um, we can't say bad things about religious people or we can't badmouth them because of their sexual orientation um, or their et ethnic background. So if somebody says that the white people are just horrible and they uh, beat their girlfriends and do 
all kinds of bad stuff and they smell bad, or whatever, you can be prosecuted. And if they just post that on Facebook, like, yeah, or if they put if they post that on Facebook, um, they can get uh, charged, charged and convicted for saying things about ethnic groups and re- religious groups and uh, and things of that nature. So I've done quite a bit of activism saying things about Buddhists and uh, Muslims and Christians and white men and uh, and all kinds of things. And I've been uh, convicted uh, some pretty hefty fines for saying those things. Not not imprisoned yet, but, mm-hmm. um, but you could in principle be thrown in jail for saying somebody that uh, somebody disagrees with. And do people in Denmark, do they agree with those laws? I mean, I guess we take freedom of speech so much for granted over here that, I mean, there almost is in certain segments, there's there's some pushback from the left on freedom of speech in certain areas. They want to restrict the speech they want to restrict. But is the populace in Denmark, do they think that the restriction of freedom of speech is good for them? Uh, it's hard for me to say because I live in kind of a free speech bubble. Uh, mm-hmm. All of my my friends and all of the people that I have in contact with, they really hate those laws. But I guess if I should try to be objective, that there's some pushback against it uh, also in the mainstream, but it's maybe not super widespread um, when they try, when small political parties um, try to get rid of those laws they never succeed because, oh, what about the people saying bad things about our favorite voting group uh, that we don't want to allow that? So, mm-hmm. no, I don't think we will have those laws repealed anytime soon. So um, it's not looking very libertarian in the, in that regard. So I have to ask you, because, uh, you know, you ha- every person I meet from outside the U.S., you have to ask them this question. What's uh, what's your view on what's going on in the United States now with Donald Trump and uh, the impeachment circus? And d- do you follow it? I mean, does does anybody does anybody care? Or um, I follow it a bit uh, through Dave Smith mainly. He has mm-hmm. uh, a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of uh, stuff about the impeachment stuff, but uh, I don't think the Danish populace per se are following the impeachment uh, hearings and and so on. Uh, Most Danes are pretty social democratic leaning and they just flat out hate Donald Trump. So Mm -hmm. you can just regard Denmark as uh, just a big... uh, uh, a big bunch of, uh, of, of liberal Democrats, really, uh, more or less. Um, So they follow American politics, but it's uh, through a kind of a filter uh, of the mainstream press and the mainstream press. They really, really hate Donald Trump. And uh, I don't like him either, but uh, I think that uh, there are some funny aspects to him and uh, all the people that I really don't like, they hate Donald Trump. So there's always that. (laughs) That's funny. Um, So that's, that's cool that you, you uh, listen to part of the problem. Um, That's, that's what's so cool about, I mean, podcasting today, you can pick up a podcast anywhere in the world. uh, Yeah, sure. And and especially if you're a libertarian leaning uh, person, there's no real podcasting sphere uh, outside the US. If you want to get into those uh, Austro-libertarian things, you just have to follow the Mises Institute and uh, yeah, um, Tom Woods and all those Mm -hmm. kinds of guys. Uh, So I think there are Many Danish libertarians, and there are not that many of them, but a lot of them they they get their influences from from the U.S. 
Well, that's cool. It makes me uh, makes me think we're actually actually doing something. Scre- yeah. Screaming into microphones over here in the United States, people people are- people they are listening. <laughs> Uh, before I let you go, Lars, if you could just uh, talk a little bit about, uh, you said you started the YouTube channel. Talk about first where people can find that and some of the content that you have there. Yeah, it's uh, on YouTube and it's under my own name. It's just Lars Anderson and Sen with an S-E-N. And it's all in Danish, I'm uh, I'm ashamed to say. So it's it's mostly gibberish, gibberish to none uh, Danish speakers. But yeah, it's, it's a pretty... Um, in Danish terms, it's a pretty successful YouTube channel, uh, especially considering that I'm only one person and I'm just uh, talking into a camera in my living room. I got around um, a quarter of a million views per month, and that's not a lot in uh, in like a global scale. But in Denmark, for a small political channel, it's it's pretty good. So what's I'm the, a, uh, what's the URL to to find it? Oh, just. Uh, just- Punch in Lars, Lars Anderson and don't pick the archer guy because there's also a Danish guy that shoots bow and arrow and that's not me. <laughs> Actually, I was uh, invited to a, a Chinese uh, television uh, something show once because they thought I was him. So I, I declined. Yeah, I see him here. He's the first one that comes up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's probably pretty. Is that a common name? I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of Andersons. No, it's a, pre- it's a really common name. It's very generic. <laughs> Okay, well, I've, even though it's all in Danish, I'm still going to subscribe to support you. And I encourage uh, my audience to do so as well. And also, you know, this is a, a small world we live in. So if you have family, relatives, friends, whatever, who are, uh, you know, over in Denmark, then uh, send them Lars way and uh, get them following his YouTube. And uh, just one more thing before I let you go, if there's anything else you want to plug or have some parting words of wisdom for the for the people of uh, the Lions of Liberty world out there. Oh, words of wisdom! I don't know really. Just uh, yeah, I don't I don't have any right now. So I'll just thank you for uh, for having me. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Lars. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hope you guys enjoyed today's interview with Lars Anderson. You know, it's always amazing to me when I talk with someone. I say it's always amazing, like I've done this a bunch of times. This is one the first times I've talked with a libertarian who was over in Europe and uh, in Lars's case in Denmark. But it amazes me when they're plugged in, listening to podcasts that are produced over here in the end of the United States. It gives me so much hope that uh, podcasts like Lions of Liberty, like Part of the Problem, like Tom Woods, are making not only an impact here in the United States, because I know we are, but also across the world, which is just incredible. You know, I look at our stats on our podcast hosts and I see people out there listening, but to actually hear it uh, from somebody's mouth who, who has listened to the podcast in another country is uh, pretty awesome to hear. And Lars is doing fantastic things uh, in Denmark. And fighting for liberty, you know, it's it's cool. He doesn't want to get into politics. I don't want to get into politics either. I've uh, dabbled in that a little bit myself, uh, helping out with uh, a uh, managing a campaign for a U.S. Senate run uh, this last U.S. Senate election cycle in 2018. Got my taste of that. And for now, that's enough politics for me. So I definitely understand where Lars is coming from. It's so interesting that he came out, said he didn't want to enforce drug laws, basically was was forced to resign. 
And I've had conversations with people recently who have come out and said that libertarians, people who are against the war on drugs, who are against these injustices and atrocities, should sign up to enforce them and become a police officer. So that doesn't make any sense. But it's nice to hear from someone like Lars, who was a police officer and came out and said he didn't want to enforce them and he was forced to resign. So in Denmark, we know at least that's not the case. And, you know, I I don't know if it's the case across the board in U.S. Uh, US police departments because there's so many local police departments. But I would guess if you did that in the U.S., the result would be very, very similar. You would be uh, submitting your resignation probably pretty quickly because if you're not on the street collecting uh, you know, collecting the revenue, which is really the, the police main job of the police is to collect revenue. If you're not doing that, then you're not doing your job. So that's, that's why they have you out there. But today's show, just awesome. Really happy to be able to speak with Lars and get to know him. And uh, if you happen to speak Danish, check out his YouTube channel. Or if you're looking to learn how to speak Danish, also, you can listen. Just go in cold don't even study or try to learn it. Just start watching and listening to Lars's YouTube channel over time. It might take years, but over time, you will understand it. I promise you that. Actually, I don't promise you that. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Maybe you'll never understand it. Anyway, uh, I just want to thank you guys for listening. It's coming up on the uh, Christmas holiday, one of my favorite times of year. And I'm excited, of course, at Lions of Liberty, we don't take any time off, so you will have all of your podcasts Monday, Wednesday, Friday, next week, even on Christmas Day, Felony Friday, next Friday, and Mark's show on Monday. So be sure to subscribe to the Lions of Liberty podcast wherever you get podcasts. I've been listening recently <clears throat> on Spotify to my podcast. I really like Spotify's interface. And on Spotify now, if you're listening to a Lions of Liberty podcast or any podcast, but I prefer you do this for Lions of Liberty, you can share it to your Instagram story. Great way to tell your friends how to check out a podcast. And you share it to your Instagram story, and it gives that little link up in the corner that people can click, and it takes them right to the podcast, which is I've been looking for the technology like this for as long as I can remember. Easy way to uh, to share a podcast. Hopefully, that interface goes into Facebook, too, and, and uh, other social medias. But I've been rambling for too long. Thank you all for uh, listening to today's show. Thank you for supporting the Alliance of Liberty. And with that being said, guys, this is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning.